Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Karen Belita, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I will be your service leader this morning. I will be joined by Susan Rutan, our speaker today. We ask that you take a moment to ensure that your cell phones and noise-emitting devices are turned off. For those who are hearing impaired, the ushers have audio aids. We do hope that you feel welcome here. We now open the service with the musical prelude by Wind Weaver, Breathe with the Trees, offering each of us a time of quiet reflection and contemplation. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton celebrates a rich mosaic of free thinking, 
spiritually questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, including diversity of beliefs, from divine believers to humanists, from pagans to atheists and agnostics. We believe in the compassion of the human heart, the warmth of community, the pursuit of justice, and the search of meaning in our lives. As said by Reverend John Higgins, we are Unitarian Universalists. Welcome to this place. This is a home where no revealed truths are promoted and no scripture or human being accepted as infallible. This is a place for searching for truth. We are believers. We believe in intellectual freedom. We believe in justice. We believe in compassion and concern for each other and the whole world. We believe in commitment to those ideals which make us caring and active in the struggles for human dignity. We are Unitarian Universalists. We respectfully acknowledge that we are located on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Dene, Inuit, and many other nations whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. We are glad to have you with us this morning. We hope you find something in the service today that nourishes your spirit and helps you find and keep your balance. Good morning, I'm Susan Rattan. I heard a good name for what I've been doing this week. I think from Andrew Mills, it said service creator. So that's who I am, service creator, service leader. Um, the theme of this service, as you probably know, is children. And I want us to have a time to reflect on children, to think about them, to value them and to celebrate them. And I'm really glad we have one little child at the back, so <laughs> that's great. Um, I also wanted to say a little bit more about the music you just heard. About six years ago, I was on a Saturday afternoon, I was in Old Strathcona with Lilius Cowper, whom many of you will know, we're just shopping around. And in the Varscona Theater there, there were some sales tables one of them was a woman selling wooden flutes called North Native American flutes. And Lilius bought a flute. I bought the CD that this woman had made with a, a, a guitarist. And the two of them called themselves Wind Weavers. She lives in Spruce Grove. And uh, has, there is a website, windweaver.ca. Uh, and I, I encourage you to go there. But I also hope... Um, that when things get back to normal, assuming that's going to happen, that she can come and play for us, because she would like to do that. Now, we are going to light the chalice, and Jan McMillan is going to do the honors. We light this chalice for our children and youth, and for us, celebrating the flame of faith lit in each of us, honoring the light each of us brings into the world, rejoicing in the community 
we create together. And now our first reading by Karen. Manage my mask, manage my glasses. So thankful living somewhere that we have easy access to all these wonderful things. A reading by Starhawk. We are all longing to go home to some place we have never been. A place half remembered and half envisioned we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. Community. Somewhere. There are people to whom we can speak with passion without having the words catch in our throats. Somewhere a circle of hands will open to receive us. Eyes will light up as we enter. Voices will celebrate with us whenever we come into our own power. Community means strength that joins our strength to do the work that needs to be done. Arms to hold us when we falter. A circle of healing a circle of friends, somewhere, someplace where we can be free. Please rise as you are willing and able while keeping your mask on to sing hymn number 360, Here We Have Gathered. You will find the music and lyrics in our hymnal Singing the Living Tradition, and for those online, you will see the words to hymn number 360, Here We Have Gathered, appear on your screen. Our community is entirely self-governing and self-supporting. 
One of the privileges of our free church tradition is to provide all of the financial support for our many ministries from among ourselves. Generosity, therefore, is one of the spiritual values we recognize as central to our personal and institutional well-being. In addition to supporting this church community, we also make a monthly commitment beyond our walls. One half of the unidentified cash that is received is given to an outside organizations. Some are local, some are national, some international. For the month of January, we are sharing our abundance with Change for Children. This is the last Sunday of the month, so this is your last chance to support this month's charity. We thought we'd take a few minutes to remind you what this fine organization does. Did you know that almost four billion people live on less than $6 a day? 72 million children worldwide are out of school. Malnutrition affects one in three children in developing countries. Approximately 4,500 children die each and every day from unsafe water and lack of basic sanitation facilities. Change for Children exists to change this. Change for Children was founded over 45 years ago by a small group of people here in the Edmonton area who were convinced that concerned Albertans could make a positive impact in the fight against poverty and injustice, internationally and in their own communities. And they were right. Change for Children supports community-led projects to elevate quality of life, to strive for this respect of traditions, languages, and cultural identity, to strengthen individual and collective rights, and to provide material, economic, and technical assistance. They have promoted health and human rights by supporting creative solutions to poverty through sustainable development. This has been, and continues to be, the Change for Children way. For over four decades, they have been working to improve the quality of life in some of the most remote communities of the world. Project delivery evolves and changes over time, but they have remained steadfast in their mission to promote health, human rights, and solutions to poverty through sustainable development. They are still innovating, still improving, still growing, still impacting. This is an Edmonton charity doing very fine work. For those in the sanctuary, you can use the envelopes found inside the hymn book if you wish to receive a tax receipt for your gift. Please indicate on the envelope your contact information so that we can send you a tax receipt at year end. Many, many of our members and friends give monthly or annually through automatic withdrawals from their accounts. Our offering plates are located at each of the exits for you to leave a donation at the end of the service on your way out. For those of you online, please visit changeforchildren.org and uce.ca for more information and for ways to donate. Please join us in singing 402, From You I Receive to You I Give, Together We Share and From This We Live.
please open Singing the Living Tradition to responsive reading number 664. I will speak both parts of reading 664, Give Us the Spirit of the Child, by Sarah Morris Campbell, so it can be heard in the microphone, but please feel free to say the parts in italics as you are willing and able. And I forgot to mention that online the words should appear as well. Give us the spirit of the child. Give us the child who lives within. The child who trusts, the child who imagines, the child who sings. The child who receives without reservation, the child who gives without judgment. Give us a child's eyes that we may receive the beauty and freshness of this day like a sunrise. Give us a child's ears, that we may hear the music of mythical times. Give us a child's heart, that we may be filled with wonder and delight. Give us a child's faith, that we may be cured of our cynicism. Give us the spirit of the child, who is not afraid to need, who is not afraid to love. So this is my talk. I know you don't have an order of service. <laughs> I was a journalist with the Calgary Herald newspaper in the early 1990s when the government of Ralph Klein decided to get serious about dealing with its provincial debt. It did so, as some of you may remember, with a massive budget cuts. And a particular focus at that time was cutting the social assistance program that gave income to poor people. Getting people off welfare was a big fad at the time. Um, the Democratic president at the time, uh, Bill Clinton, made it a campaign promise. And once he was in power, the Congress passed a law uh, instituting the welfare cuts. The law was called Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act. In other words, uh, people on welfare uh, don't have personal responsibility and don't look for work. What this so-called reform did in the United States was increase deep poverty. The cuts that the Ralph Klein government brought in in 1993 were even more dramatic. They made, sorry, even more dramatic, they made social assistance so difficult to get that people on a number of people on assistance uh, dropped by 60% in three years. A study done for that government in 1997 found that two-thirds of the people who had left the welfare rolls in the previous few years had had at least one experience of not enough money for food and shelter. What were those government people thinking? How is it helpful to kick people, many of them single mothers, off assistance so they and their children go scrambling around for places to live and, and enough food to eat? How will that give children the right start in life? I'm happy that I've lived long enough 
that some governments and an increasing number understand that financial support for low-income families is an investment that pays off huge dividends. The studies that have been done are very clear what happens when struggling parents and children get the help they need, the income, the food, the schooling. A U.S. think tank called the Center on Budget and Policy Alternatives put out a report last month based on a national U.S. survey they did on early childhood family well-being. Their key finding was, and I'm quoting here, when families are able to meet basic needs such as food, housing, and medical care, parents and other caregivers experience less stress which allows them to provide the critical support that children need to grow into healthy, productive adults. Yes, yes, yes. A Norwegian study looked at a program there that gave mothers access to free mother and child health centers in their baby's first year. And the researchers tracked these babies for decades and what they found is they grew up to be taller, to stay in school longer, and at age 40, they were in better health than the babies that didn't have that first-year assistance. Invest in children and their parents, and the benefits last for multiple generations. Those children will, will be themselves better parents. Their children will go to school longer, get in trouble with the law less, and they'll be healthier. Five years ago, when our Syrian refugee family arrived in Edmonton, I was the church treasurer here, and I helped them with their finances for a number of months. And on the September of that year, they'd been there about three months, I was looking at their uh, financial statement, and I saw a deposit in it of $1,200. I had no idea where it came from. What I learned was that it was the federal government's new Canada Child Benefit, which gave money to low-income families depending on number of kids and age of the kids. The money made a gigantic difference for this family with their three kids. Basically, it was their rent money, and it came every month. I had never, at that time, and never have been poor. And this was the closest I ever got to seeing what it means to have your rent money in your bank account every month. You don't have to worry about it. It's going to be there. You can basically realize you're at, you're at home where you are. You get to know your neighbors. Your kids will go to school, same school every month, every year. It's just a huge difference. Those of you who are in education know what had happens when kids bounce around from school to school. Uh, it's not good. The Canada Child Benefit rescued hundreds of thousands of children across Canada from poverty. Nowhere was the impact greater than in Alberta, thanks to an Alberta Child Benefit brought in by the Notley government. Between 2015 and 2017, the number of Alberta children living in poverty dropped from 10% of Alberta children to 5%. In other words, it was cut in half. Let me say that again. Cut in half in a couple of years. For me, the lesson is a profound one. If we have poverty and suffering with us in this rich province, 
it's because we as a society haven't done the work to relieve it. And that work is possible, it's doable, and it's affordable. The world of economics has changed in how it views government spending and government debt since the early 1990s. It used to be that many people, especially conservative economists and politicians, thought that governments should run their finances the way families do, spend what you've got, and if you're overspending, uh, start cutting things. Today, smart economists and politicians realize that government money spent on helping people raise their children and living good lives is an investment that pays them back many times over. I especially love the idea of the $10 a day child care for families across Canada. Uh, although low-income Alberta parents have always had subsidized child care, Many, many others are paying huge amounts to put their children in daycare. That makes having children expensive, and it makes it hard for lower-income workers to go back to work because they can't afford their childcare. Besides dramatically lowering the cost of... Oh, wait a minute, yes. I especially love... I'm, I'm a skippy. Okay, besides dramatically lowering the cost of childcare, the Liberal government is going to create additional 250,000 new spaces in the country, which needs to be part of it, and new, more childcare workers. The Kenny government dragged its feet on this, but it hasn't now agreed to be part of it. It's hard to say no to such an obviously great and popular program. We have the example of Quebec to see how this will work. Quebec has been subsidizing its childcare uh, for years to about $9 a day. Obviously, that program costs money, but the money has come back to the Quebec government and then some. Because when childcare is affordable, women can choose to go back to work much earlier after childbirth than they would otherwise do. Quebec has seen a dramatic increase in its workforce of prime-aged women, and part of their salaries flow back to the government in the form of income tax. Ten-dollar-a-day childcare is an investment in children and in families. It's not a cheap program. The estimate, I think, is uh, $30 billion over five years. But it is absolutely worth it. Investing in children and families needs to be a central part of what we do as Canadians. I'm sure you know that the fertility rate in Canada, the number of babies a woman typically has, has been going down since the 1950s. The reasons have been positive ones. Uh, birth control, women in the workforce, women having choices. And I celebrate all of that. Women need to have the choices in this matter. Canada has been compensating by huge immigration every year. It uh, has typically been about 300,000 a year, although last year, 400,000. We are one of the world's success stories in terms of immigration. We are good at assimilating the new newcomers, and we have seen relatively little anti-immigrant backlash. I say that knowing that 15 women in the city have been attacked 
because of their Muslim headdress in the last year. So there's work to do. But compared to many countries, we're pretty good. There was a study done this fall that found 80% of Canadians agree that immigration makes Canada a better country. But we still have important work to do to become truly baby-friendly. I know a number of couples, young couples, who are in a committed relationship. They often have a house, they certainly have a dog, but no babies. And I know this is what the Pope just said, and I don't want you to confuse me with the Pope. <laughs> because the Pope runs an organization that opposes birth control, and the Pope's point was he thought these couples were being selfish. I think these young couples are in a situation in their generation where they have so many uncertainties in their life. They may not have a lifetime job. They may not have a pension. They are looking at, at what's happening to the climate. They, and they just, it's a lot to ask of them also to, to, to make this big leap that having a child currently is in this country. Our job as Canadians should be making having a baby and caring for a child less expensive and onerous then leave it to the couples to decide. Affordable childcare and the childcare benefit is only part of it. New parents in Alberta do get guaranteed uh, mat leave uh, by the Alberta government, and they get part of their salary covered by unemployment insurance. They get uh, 36 weeks at half their salary. Here's what they do in Norway. Uh, the couples, they, and they can either or take the time, get 49 weeks at full salary. That's doing it seriously. I'm not sure that anything can convince more Canadian women to have babies. The example of China is that once people are in the habit of having very few children, they tend to carry on in that way. But I think we have to make the effort. Our job isn't to talk people into having babies, to make, but to make Canada baby-friendly the way the Scandinavians have. Commit ourselves to giving parents and children everything they need to be a success. Um, the old saying is, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a country now to make child-rearing attractive and affordable. Our greatest task, of course, in this province is Indigenous children. The last statistics I looked at said that 62% of the children in government care in this province are Indigenous, and they're like 10% of the number of children in Alberta. It's just shocking, and we have to do something about it. I know the Trudeau government is offering a bunch of money, and, and that's great, but this indigenous issue is so long-standing, going back to the earliest days of the residential school, that I think we all have to realize that this is part of our job as well. I recently heard our new indigenous governor general, Mary Mae Simon, use the term, children are sacred. 
And it was new to me, although I looked it up and I see in indigenous circles it's a common phrase. And the word is sacred, not lovable or important or cute. Sacred puts it on a different level, I think. So that's how deep our commitment to children in this country has to be. It has to be sacred. Blessed be. And now we are going into a time of candles and meditation. It's kind of a combo thing today. We are going to, uh, to light our candles. Uh, and I want to suggest today, if, if you would like to do this, to think of a child in your life or children, grandchild, neighbor children, maybe your own children when they were young, um, maybe the children in the city who have been in COVID restrictions and not getting the kind of schooling and fun that they should be having, maybe the children in Afghanistan, and come up and light a candle for some child that is in your heart. Those of you in, uh, on Zoom, think the same process. Take some time to think and then put a name in the, in the chat if you would like to do that. I will light my candle today for my, uh, the youngest member of my family, Amanda, who is eight. And Amanda has been a special child from day one. I remember when she was four, somebody gave her a big uh, a dollhouse, two-story dollhouse, and she put in it all her favorite special things. And they were all little plastic helicopters, planes, cars, trucks, no dolls, no, no cute furniture. She loves uh, motorized vehicles. And so today at 88, she's planning to be an astronaut. So I'll light my candle for Amanda. And I invite you to come up as you're willing and able, light a candle and we'll hear another piece from Wind Weaver. Yes, we are going to start. John is going to play the music and people are going to come and light candles. Thank you. 
Susan will now light one last candle for all the joys and concerns that remain in our hearts. Did you want me to introduce the hymn? Did you want me to introduce the hymn? Yes. Okay. Hymn number 100. So please stand as you're willing and able and keep your masks on while you're singing. Uh, online, they'll have the words for hymn number 100, I've Got Peace Like a River. reading by Connie Sternberg. Let us now receive into our hearts all children. Let us remember the children we once were and who still live within us. Let us love them now in this quiet moment. Let us remember the children of our own families and the children of our friends. Let us love them now in the quiet of this moment. Let us remember the children who are homeless children who are separated from their families, children who are hungry or in pain, children whose lives are threatened by drugs, 
crime, lack of health care. Let us love them now in the quiet of this moment. Let us remember all children and commit ourselves to their growth and safety, their health and education, their uniqueness, and their unfolding beauty. Let us love them now in the quiet of this moment and forevermore. Blessed be. Back up, everyone, rise as you're willing and able while keeping your mask on to sing hymn number 298, Wake Now My Senses. You'll find the music and lyrics in our hymnal, Singing the Living Tradition. And again, for those online, you'll see the words to hymn number 298, Wake Now My Senses. reading by Gary Kowalski. Children widen the circle of our being in ways that are limitless. Every baby that's born connects us to our history, our own parents, grandparents, and unknown forebears who brought new life to the world in each successive generation. Every baby that's born links us to the future to a world yet to come that belongs to our descendants and that we hold in trust for our posterity, whom we will never know. Each child connects us to nature, 
to the innocence and exuberance of a world always hatching newborns, kittens and pups and lambs and babes. Each child reminds us of the kinship we share with people of other lands who love their young as purely and tenderly as we do. Each child connects us to the universe, to the holy mysteries of birth and death and becoming from which we all emerge. Children widen the circle of our being in ways that are limitless. Now, uh, we're going into our closing part of the service, and I want to start with thank yous. First, of course, to my buddy, Karen, to my other buddy, Gordon, to the people upstairs there, uh, Andrew Mills, who is the producer, John Pater is doing sound, Andrew Harder-Tessier is doing the camera work for the very first time. He's a Nate student, and he's very keen to learn new things, so we're really glad he's here. And on Zoom, Lynn Turvey and Ruth Marriott. Now, I have a few announcements. First is the startup workshop you may have heard about already. Just want to remind you, it is two Saturday afternoons in February on the 12th and the 19th. And uh, you can attend in person or on Zoom, and I'm sure the Zoom link will be sent to us. My understanding of what this workshop is, is that we will talk about where we're at as a congregation and where we want to go, what we've been doing, and then how that fits with our new minister and her agenda and her thoughts and everything so that we all come together. Uh, I want to mention a couple of other things um, just to acknowledge Ruth Marriott, whose father died 10 days ago. He was 101 years old, so he had a good long life, but it's a lot to process, I know. Uh, Barbara Forbes is here today. She is moving into a new residence with the help of her son, Scott, and with Karen. So good for you. Finally, I wanted to mention, Karen and I were here uh, Thursday morning doing some practice, and uh, people from the Bridge Club, which rents here, started wandering in, including Jean Lomo, longtime church member. And Jean Lomo has missed her bridge so much. I was just happy she finally could get, gets back to it. All right, I turn it over to Karen. My name is Reverend Audrey Brooks, and I am the facilitator for the annual Genocide Memorial Service. And it, it is uh, uh, a wonderful thing that this uh, service today was based on, on the idea of the worth, value, and the sacredness of children. Because the July uh, 10th service this year, which is the 14th annual service, the theme is Every Child Matters. There will be an international uh, group of speakers, 
and musicians this year. I'm hoping that more Unitarian Universalists do attend. A lot of the people who attend the service are from the larger community. Uh, the, uh, the program will be very full this year, and I encourage everyone to attend. Thank you. And I just want to remind everyone that we encourage you to exit through the side doors of the sanctuary. So please try to go out the side doors. If you, in the future, if you change shoes, bring them right in and change them here and exit through the side doors. And please remember to respect other people's wishes and maintain the two meters of space between people, especially ones that are a little more compromised that have joined us. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I have some closing words before we sing. Closing words by Cynthia Landrum. We leave this great gathered community, but we don't leave our connection, our concerns, our care for each other. Our service to each other, to the world, and to our faith continues. Until we are together again, friends, be strong, be well, be true, be loving. Now we will sing Carry the Flame. We'll repeat twice. Carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again.